0: Amen. This is the Word of the Lord. Boy, passages like that, you need a helmet, don't you? That's that's a tough one. So we're, we're learning to pray right now. We're in a series of sermons about learning to pray, and we know that God has ordained that we would get things from Him through prayer. And prayer works because God answers prayer. But here's the question what's going on when prayer isn't working because there may be some circumstances in which you are praying and it's not working nothing is happening so what's going on there so we've kind of took a pit stop in this series in the book of James for four messages just kind of trying to answer that question how do you troubleshoot your prayer life when prayer is not working and and we've seen in the book of James you've you begin with this incredible process, promise that the intent of God is that when you go through trials of various kinds that you count it joy because you know God's working. He's, he's working steadfastness in your life. He's growing your maturity, your spiritual toughness through those times. And then in James chapter 5, the book ends with this great example of, of the people of God getting together to pray. And it's powerful. There's there's people being raised up. There's people being restored to the Lord. There's people being physically healed because the church has gathered together to pray. But between that opening process of God uh, growing our maturity and steadfastness in the trial and this powerful example of prayer is sort of a troubleshooting guide of several things that might go wrong of reasons why God may not be answering prayer. And James is very black and white. I mean, it's there's no gray to the book of James. He's It, it reads as a very good troubleshooting guide because he's like, hey, if you got this, you don't have that. You can't be doing these things and saying these things. They don't correlate. If you see this sort of activity, it's probably coming from this source right here. And there's no better example of the kind of language that I'm talking about in the book of James than this passage that we just read from this morning. And it talks about relational conflict. When, whenever your, your prayer life isn't working, we talked about we need to check our faith, we need to check our obedience, but here's another thing I would encourage you to check. Check. I'd encourage you to check your relationships. Because what we have here in James chapter 3 verses 13 through James chapter 4 verse 12 is a toxic soup of relational dysfunction. And it's not the Jerry Springer show. It's the church. He's saying this is taking place among the brothers, the sisters, the the fellowship of believers. And, and if if I could give you an analogy of what's going on in this, and we could say that this is a car. It's much like a car that I saw on the Dalton Bypass a couple of weeks ago. I had just crossed Cleveland Highway. I was going up toward Rocky Face. You know, there's a couple of hills kind of right there. And, and I was coming up on that that. That intersection where there's a red light and there's a a pediatric uh, office over here to the left. And as as I'm going up that hill, there is just this this column of smoke that's, that's just filling the road. And I got up next to the source of that smoke, and there was a car in the midst of that smoke. And it sounded Horrible. Uh, there, that is not a sound that ought to be coming from a car. It was struggling to get up the hill. So you could tell it's it's losing power, right? It's There's a burnt smell that's surrounding this car and, and the smoke wasn't coming out of the back of the car. It was coming like out from underneath the engine. So you could tell there is a, a serious issue going, but this guy is just He's just rolling it up the hill. Just keep on driving, not trying to pull over, no panic in his face. And and I I pulled up beside him, and my face was meant to communicate, do you see what's going on here? I mean, it was kind of trying to, hey, you got problems, dude. Do you understand the the situation you're in? But let's imagine that was our car, right? I hope that wasn't your car, (laughs) if it is. you take this next recommendation to get it to a mechanic, right? So you, let's take that car and we pull it into the shop and we pull up and the mechanic asks us, hey, what's going on? And you got, hey, I got, there's smoke pouring out from under the engine. I've got this burnt smell. It's it's lost power. Um, Guys, you know, and, and you begin to describe all those things that happen. So what does the mechanic do next? They pull that little machine out and they plug it into your car. It's the diagnostic test, right? And that diagnostic test is then going to generate all sorts of codes that tell you, yeah, you may see smoke. Yeah, you may smell something that's on fire. Yeah, you've lost power. But those codes tell you all the reasons why. They get down to the source of what's causing all the symptoms, right? Relational conflict. Especially in the church, there's a lot of words that are exchanged. There, there's a lot of attitudes that you have to confront. People feel left out of this or not included in that or you said this or they said that. Man, you've got an agenda. I want an apology out of this. You ought to be apologizing to me. All of that stuff is smoke and burnt smell, right? It's, it's all the things that are coming out of the engine. There's a lot of hurt in that. But the diagnostic comes in James chapter 3, verse 13. We're about to plug this into the Word of God and find out what's causing all the conflict. Watch this. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, remember this idea of wisdom in the book of James. goes all the way back to James chapter 1, verse 5. Because there, we're asking God for Wisdom. And he really hasn't told you what that wisdom is. He really hasn't told you what that wisdom does. But in James chapter 1, he tells you God freely gives you this wisdom. So in James chapter 3, we ought to see some wisdom working, especially in relationship conflict. So he says, who is wise and understanding among you? And here comes the diagnostic. By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness and wisdom. The demonstration, listen, not the language but the demonstration of action of meekness and wisdom is the engine running well. When, you're, when your engine is running like that, man, you, you got the radio up and the windows down, it's a good day, you're cruising along, right? That's, that's what we want. But, verse 14, here comes the codes. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Notice the Bible does not ask the question, well, what did they say? That's what we concentrate on. What, what, you can't, I can't believe what they said to me. That's smoke. Well, you're going to understand what she did. That's the smell, the burnt smell, right? All those things are very much happening, but they're not the problem. The problem is selfish ambition, and bitter jealousy in the heart. That's the engine. And we've got some codes there, okay? So look at this next phrase, do not boast, And be false to the truth. So he's telling you, in any situation, man, get beyond what's being said. Get beyond what's done. Get beyond the hurt feelings. Because we're not talking about emotions now. We're getting down to truth. Don't boast and be false to the truth. Don't kid yourself about what's really going on here. And you may need an apology. But man, you getting an apology doesn't solve selfish ambition in the heart. You may have selfish ambition in wanting that apology, right? So we have to be really careful here because now we're seeing codes. Verse 15 makes it really clear. This is not wisdom that comes down from above. He says, but here's what we've got in the engine. It is earthly what earthly is, is what the natural man does. It's what you see culture do. It's what you see happening on social media. Man, somebody puts something out there and everybody just attacks them and tears them down. And that becomes the normal human behavior when we're in conflict. I got to say something that punches somebody out. That makes me look like the victor. And listen, that's one thing to happen on Instagram. But y'all, when that happens in the church, that's earthly. That's earthly. We, we, should, we ought to experience something better than that here. The, the next word, unspiritual, which means it's void of the Holy Spirit of God. It's void of the Word of God. It's, it doesn't demonstrate the Lord's working in this at all. And then, wow, y'all, check this next word. Demonic. That word right there ought to heighten our urgency that when we have relational conflict in the church, we ought to rush to solve it in a biblical way. Because what's operating, here's the language we would use. Well, we're having problems. Well, we're not getting along. Well, we're looking for another life group. Well, we're looking for another church. He goes, it's not you having problems. It's demonic. Woo! Boy, that raises the bar, doesn't it? That makes it real serious. Hey, listen, if you're having problems, that's one thing. But when demons are at work, what? It sounds a little, I don't know, alarmist, maybe? Dem- oh, demonic? Hold your place right here at James chapter 3, and I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to go right to the end of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to read something to you right here. And I'm just going to let it speak for itself. Check this out. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. Remember what we've just done. We've we've plugged our relational conflict into the diagnostic of Scripture. And now it's giving us some codes. So watch this. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. So flee youthful passions... God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Watch this. That they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. how much, man, he, he says it right here, man, for where selfish jealousy and selfish ambition exists, what are you going to get? There will be disorder in every vile practice. That's exactly what the devil does. He does it in the best of churches. He does it in the best of life groups, and he does it in your, your, your closest relationships. You can be used by Satan when you don't see the warning light to cause disorder and every vile practice. And listen, y'all, we've all seen it. It's not just people having problems. It's demonic. Woo! Verse 17, this is what we're looking for. But the wisdom from above is, it's first pure. That means it's unstained with sin. It pleases God. It's peaceable instead of antagonistic. It's gentle instead of harsh. It's open to reason instead of me wanting you to hear what I'm about to say. I'm going to listen to what you're saying. Man, if the people of God would just do what the Bible says here, not trying to win arguments, man, but let's hey, let's listen to each other here. That's where God's working. That's not demonic. That's of the Spirit. Man, that's good, right? Look at this. Full of mercy. Man, I'm not trying to crush you. I'm trying to to be restored in our relationship. Good fruit. Man, that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. It's impartial, which means I'm not picking sides. This is about the kingdom. It's not about you and me. And it's sincere, which means it's not manipulative language. I'm either just going to say what I know you want to hear or, or make myself look good and make you look bad. Man, sincerity. We're in a drought of sincerity in conversations now, aren't we, man? We just, just very surface. But sincerity. And look at verse 18. Boy, isn't this what we want right here? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make Peace man just this change in the situation righteousness it pleases God peace instead of the conflict and a harvest of it which means there's just tons of it coming up everywhere isn't that what you want in your church in your friendships when there's conflict to know hey we can get it back to this right now we smell smoke there's no power in the engine it's burning down but boy in the Spirit of God, verse 18, we want a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who make peace. So let's go back to the shop. He just plugged our car in and he goes, Whew, let me tell you what's causing all that smoke and what's going on there. And he said, all these codes right here, let me tell you what all this means. And he starts reading about all these different things. And then you hear this, wing fix it. What's your next question? Well, how much is that going to cost me? <laughs> how much, how, listen, hold on to that question. How much is that going to cost me? And he goes, well, i tell you what, man, for $3,500, we can get this thing really running well. I mean, we can, and you go, whew. How much is it going to cost me? Because what comes next is the question, are you going to pay the price that it costs to fix it? Right? Same question with cars. When you plug your relational conflict into the Word of God and it diagnoses where this is coming from, here's the next question for us, y'all. You're going to pay the price of what it costs to fix it. So you look at that car, and you go, ah, you know, it's still running. I think I'll just drive it for a few more days. (laughs) And I have a feeling that my brother, who was just smoking up the road that day, I think that's what his strategy was. I'm just going to drive it until, you know maybe if we give it a few days, it'll just quit smoking and it'll it'll quit smelling like that. Yeah, it will when the engine seizes up and just becomes a big huge chunk of milk. When it stops completely, it won't smoke anymore, right? It, you you know if you keep driving it, it's only gonna get worse and it's gonna just burn up. How many times in relational conflict, especially in the church, do we use these words? I, let's just, let's just Let's just give it time. It'll resolve itself. OK? If you keep driving it, this is what you get in verses chapter four, verses one through five. If you keep driving it, this is what you're going to get. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Because in contrast to verse 18, "A harvest of righteous would sown in peace by those who make peace." Chapter four, verse one. What causes quarrels? And fights among you. Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you. You desire and you don't have. So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. And you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly. And spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not suppose it's to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he is made to dwell in us? I want you to understand how that passage is written. It's written to push you to the logical end of certain things. If you keep going this direction, this is when the engine blows up. This is when the church blows up. This is when the relationship blows up. Your prayer life gets so distorted that it gets selfish. You're not even asking for the right things that God would have you to ask for. And man, you put yourself in a place, you're sure not going to do the Word of God. You become an enemy of God. And here's my question. You think God's going to answer prayer like that? You think God answers the prayer of His enemies? Oof. (laughs) You read this part of the passage right here and you say, it says you desire and do not have, so you murder? So I'm about to ask a question. I think I need everybody in the church to be very honest about, not only for my sanity, but the sanity of everybody sitting around you. And I need everybody to take a good look around. Would you please raise your hand if you've never killed anybody at church? Would you raise your hand? Note the ones who do not have their hand raised. Right? Murder, fight. Now, look, I've been a pastor for a long time. I've never, I've not punched one single person. I've wanted to punch some people, but I haven't punched one yet. Right? I mean, come on, man, fighting and murdering. I don't even heard anybody getting murdered in the church. Have you? But notice what he's doing. Jesus did the same thing. Remember in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus talked about murder and he said, where's that come from? It comes from anger. He says, when you're angry with somebody and you, you're not free and you're calling them an idiot and doing all these things, you murdered them in your heart. What he's doing in this passage is he's tracing the root of the same things that fester in relational conflict in the church to the same sin as Cain and Abel, murder. So listen, y'all, if you keep driving it and it's earthly and unspiritual and demonic, where do you think it's going to go? It's going to blow. That's the root of all of this. It's ungodly. It's unscriptural. We need to be urgent that we wouldn't behave like this because man, that this verse, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell on us. That's a really hard verse to interpret. I'm not real sure what all it means, but I can tell you it means this. God has put, has put his spirit in you and he's put his spirit in the church and he has an intention of what that spirit ought to be able to bring about in the people of God when we're yielded to it. At the very least, I can tell you based on that verse, he's real serious. When he doesn't get what he wants out of the Spirit in his people, he's real serious about it. So we're going to keep driving it? So you look at the car and you go, well, man, that's a lot of money, but we need to fix that. Put it in the garage. Man, what we're about to do now, if you want to fix it, let's go into the the garage of God's grace. Look at verse 6. He gives more grace. Man, this can be fixed if we'll submit to the Lord. Therefore, he says, God opposes the proud. You got to apologize to me. Can you believe what they said? Man, all that stuff, he opposes that. But he gives grace to the humble. You want it fixed? Verse 7, submit yourself therefore to God. You want it fixed? Listen, submit to what the Scripture says instead of the way you feel. Submit to what God says instead of what you want. Submit to what God says instead of what you think they owe you. Submit yourselves to God. That's the first step. I'm going to do what the Bible says. Next one. This is a really important step. Resist the devil. Remember, it's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. But if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He'll he'll move away from all this stirring he's doing in in the people. Verse 8, I love this one. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Man, can you imagine how many beautiful things would happen in the church when we do have relational conflict? And we're going to have it, y'all. We're, we've had it. We'll have it. We're going to have it. It's, it's, it's part of being people. But can you imagine how awesome it would be if we realized, man, this is not just me and you angry. but This is demonic. And, and the devil would want to divide us and destroy us. No, we're going to submit to God. And you know what? It's hard to keep your agenda when you're in the presence of the Lord. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Remember where the, what our codes were showing. Our codes were showing there's bitter jealousy and ambition in our hearts. So we're going to purify our hearts, you double-minded. Double-mindedness is this idea that I'm saying one thing and I'm doing another one. Man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, gosh, I'm in conflict with my brother and sister and I won't let it go. But man, we need to reach our community for Christ. That's double-mindedness. Now, let me help you understand how this works in the idea of prayer. So maybe you've got some people in your life and you're going, man, I, I'm really trying to, to bring these people to church and they need to know the Lord and, and, uh, and I keep inviting them and I keep praying for them, but they just won't come and they, they're just not listening to me. But you've been to like five churches in the last 15 years. And they've heard you at work talk about, me, and these people did this, and these people did that, and we started going over there, and we started doing this, and they've heard all these things. And you're saying, I'm praying to God that they would come to church for me, but do you not understand you're hindering His work because you won't do what the Bible says with the people in the church? listen. And your, your friends are looking at that going, dude, I got enough drama in my life. I don't need more in Jesus' name. Right? You see how that double-mindedness works? But man, if the world could see the people of God... Verse 9, be wretched and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Man, if they could see a real attitude change, a brokenness come over us, that we would, verse 10, humble ourselves before the Lord, look what would happen. He'll exalt you, He'll use it, He'll bless it, He'll put you in a different place. So you're looking at the relational conflict. The Bible's just told you this is how much it's going to cost to fix it. So now the question's in our court. Are are you you going to pay for it? Are you going to do what it takes to fix it? Maybe you're not in a relational conflict right now. You're going to have one. Question, are you going to do what it costs to fix that? Humbling yourself. Submitting to God, drawing near to the Lord. Man, sitting down that brother and sister, not trying to prove your point, but man, just, right? So he ends with a warning and a choice. Verse 11. Do not, this is a command, right? Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law, and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. This goes back to chapter 2. We need to be doers of the Word, not hearers only. And now you're putting yourself in a place, man, that's really in contrast with the Scripture. Now, I want you to look at verse 12. This is really important. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able... To save and to destroy. You know, one of the most important things we learn in celebrate recovery is this. You ready? Everybody, listen to this. I'm not God. But when you make your demands in relational conflict and you, I need, I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna get that, you know what you've done? You've become the lawgiver. And now the relational conflict is measured by you. And you are the one who's determining whether the relationship will be saved or destroyed, whether we'll go to this church or to that church, whether we'll leave here or we'll go there. And he serves a stern warning right here you're not God, it's not your place. I hear this all the time. Well, we're praying about going to a different church. Here's my question to you. Have you prayed about the one you're in? Submit to God? So watch this. He is the one who's able to save and destroy. Not you, not me. He is. So he leaves us with a question. You ready? Who are you to judge your neighbor? told you you need a helmet (laughs) that's a that's a word man and that's a hard word for humans to receive because man we're so emotional but listen don't boast and be false to the truth that car is it's smoking and about to blow hey listen That car may not be able to be fixed, but your relationships in the grace of God, if you submit yourself to the Lord, He can work in an amazing way and bring about a harvest of peace and righteousness. And I think that would be a great witness to the world. That they can see when you do a very human thing that humans do, you kind of get sideways with people, especially with God's people. Instead of just packing up and going on or doing whatever we do or talking about this But man, if the world could see that we just humbled ourselves and changed our attitudes and we submitted to the Lord and we resisted the devil and we drew near to God and we got in His presence and we prayed and we got in Scripture and we humbled ourselves enough to work things out. Wow. Can you imagine how that would change our prayer life? When you're in relational conflict, sometimes you don't even know what you're praying for. He said, man, you've become so selfish, and there's some things you're not even asking God for because you're so clouded by your prayer or, or by your conflict, right? It's like there's so much smoke, we can't even see what's in there. So he, he leaves us with the question, what are you going to do? Who are you? to judge your neighbor. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment? And maybe your relational conflict is in your family, maybe it's in your friendships, maybe it's in your church. And here's a a great question. Just kind of as we're praying about this and we're thinking about this next moment. A great question is, what if I'm willing to do this but the other person isn't? My answer to you would be, you do what God says. You you do what you do based on what God says, no matter what they say. You want to be right with God, right? Do what God says and let Him work. Trust Him. He's the lawgiver, not you. So you submit to Him and just let God. The Bible talks about how you can win an enemy by being kind to them, by loving them, and turning the other cheek to them. And Boy, that takes takes some God-sized strength right there not easy, but we're going to do what we do based on what God says. We're not going to do what we do based on what they say, right? So here's what we're going to do. Linda's up here. She's going to help us out for a moment. Give us a verse and a chorus of a song. And maybe you got other things going on in your life. Maybe you got a, a tough medical diagnosis this week, and you're going to pray about that and just ask for the Lord's healing. Maybe it's a provision that you need maybe some wisdom that you're you're asking for you come and pray about those things but if you're also here this morning you're like you know what man i'm in some conflict with my family my friendships my church and and this is a good man this thing is smoking and i i need to it, it smells burnt and and it's losing power and i need to get it in the garage of god's grace and i need to let god work and this is a good i'm gonna submit to that today you come and get in this altar and I'm gonna pray this over us and then in a few moments I'll give you a couple of announcements and we'll be dismissed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that, that you don't leave us just without some instruction. And when we go through a very human thing, it happens in a lot of churches where there's conflict. Lord, when we don't submit to the Bible, it just gets so ugly and divisive and nasty and it hurts people for the rest of their lives. So, Lord, I pray that you help us to see the wisdom of the Scripture today, to be aware that Satan can get in and work and his demons and confuse and cause chaos. And Lord, help us to do a very difficult thing for humans to do, and that is to be humble. And, Lord, I pray for some good fruit and some relational conflict come out of this, that it'll be a witness to the world, that it'll get us back in a good place in our prayer life, that we'd be praying about and doing kingdom things. We ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Just stand together as Linda sings and pray and play.